Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. I'm Chris Clark, the host for Wide Awake Today, and joining me in the studio is Chase Iflin, Minister of Community and Connection, and Jeff Lawrence, Lead Pastor of Redemption Church. You guys doing well today? It's Monday. Got a week. Got to go. Yes. Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, last week I mentioned that I'd love to do an episode about the title of the Acts sermon series we're walking through as a church. Uh, Jeff, you named that sermon series Glad Hearts, Bold Church. And guess what? That's where we're going today. We get to do that as an episode. So just a reminder to our listeners, our aim for the next several episodes of Wide Awake is to address questions and topics that surface as we study the book of Acts together as a church. Um, But whether you're a regular churchgoer or not, we hope this conversation will help you grow wherever you are in your journey with God. Okay, so yeah, we're talking about Glad Hearts and Bold Church, the title of this Acts series. Uh, Some of us like the idea of being bold in the right context. Uh, You can be bold and stupid, but that's not very helpful, right? Um, I think some people don't consider themselves bold at all, just different personality types. But the Bible definitely speaks of us living with boldness that makes a positive impact in our world. And so, Jeff, the book of Acts is all about Christian beginnings, right? When people who followed Jesus began to be called the church. And you titled this study, Glad Hearts, Bold Church. And so we just want to tease that out today. Yeah. So, Jeff, what do you mean by boldness? And what made you include Bold Church in the title of our Acts series? Well, I think for me, you know, when you start a series, I jumped in and did a quick scan reading through the whole book and just started grabbing hold of things that jumped out at me. And really, those are the two ideas that sort of jumped off the page as we dove into the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, it comes through, it's interesting to me, you look at, you know, uh, early in the book of Acts, it talks about now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the people that were watching the disciples perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized they had been with Jesus. And right there, there's something that just ought to grab hold of you. If you know the Gospels, if you know the story of Jesus going to the cross, you probably are familiar with the fact that Peter denied Jesus, that Jesus had told him, had predicted that he was going to deny him three times, and uh, Peter said, no way, I'll never do it. And then as soon as things started flying and, and bullets started flying and things got crazy, Peter got fearful, and he denied denied Christ three times. And yet, here in the book of Acts, after Christ's resurrection, after he had witnessed everything that had transpired, He's filled with boldness, and other people's view of him has completely changed. Uh, you see also in like Acts four that they prayed that that God's desire, that Jesus' disciples would uh, would speak the word with all boldness. And uh, this this term boldness shows up I think eleven different times in the book of Acts. The, the actual very last verses of the book of Acts close with talking about the apostle Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and, and without hindrance. So this idea just, it, it just runs like a theme through the whole book of Acts and, and uh, kind of characterizes the nature of the church and what they were about and how they were perceived by others, what they prayed for and asked God to instill in them and what they were pursuing and trying to live. So this idea of boldness, I think, uh, so just you know, think about what it what it looks like when you th- when you hear the word boldness. What are the things that come to mind for you guys? Yeah, that's a good question because I was just thinking as as I was listening to you that boldness right now for whatever reason conjures up negative thoughts 
in our culture. Like, I just think, oh, I shouldn't be bold because that's going to be offensive. Because it's just going to be two parties fighting from different points of view, right? It's, uh, I think sometimes that's, that could be the way we tend to think about boldness in this time. Chase, what, what pops in your mind when you think about boldness? I mean, it's the same thing as Chris. I think of someone uh, spouting out an opinion on social media or stepping up, um, you know, to, to confront someone who they disagree with. And I don't know why. Yeah. Just that, that's a negative connotation to a word that doesn't inherently have that connotation. I think that's really interesting, just kind of commentary on, on where we are in the world and what's going on. And yet you see in scripture, it was a value for them to be bold. But I think that also points us in a direction that's a, that's a good check. We need to be bold about the right stuff, not the wrong stuff. I was thinking, uh, just driving in here, I was thinking about this whole idea of boldness and was reminded probably because, you know, oh, you just played Nebraska and it's in my <laughs> head. But uh, a couple weeks ago, Nebraska's head coach, Scott Frost, was uh, they were up, I think, two scores in a game and it looked like, man, they got this game in control. Everything's going well. And he decided to make a really bold move and kick an onside kick. And I don't know if he thought, well, I was, you know, two scores isn't enough. I want to go up three scores. But uh, the other team covered the ball. They went down and scored. They came back, scored again. Scott Frost lost. And now... Although he made a bold move, he's out of a job. And mm. so it's not the, – the point is just isn't to be brash or just to, to make a bold move. It's to be bold about the way of Jesus. It's to be mm. bold about something that, that has got some strength to it that's eternal, that's going to last. And then it gives you a confidence to make – to, to live with boldness, but not just in a uh, – sometimes I think we think of it as arrogance or brashness or uh, kind of bravado. But that's really not what we see in, in the book of Acts when it talks about boldness. It's, it's tethered to something. And so they were bold about the gospel. They were bold about the resurrection of Jesus. They were bold about the things that Jesus did and taught. And those things um, were a lot more powerful in the end. So, Jeff, you talked a lot about examples from the book of Acts um, as the disciples were bold and, and the gospel is going forth. Uh, but those are, those are the disciples. That's the book of Acts. That's scripture. Why do I want to be bold as a Christian today? I think, you know, that's the million-dollar question for us is what, what, what do we do about this or how do we live that out? And, and there's so much, I think, that keeps us from being bold. I think some of the obstacles that jump out as I think about that are, you know, there's, there tends to be a general apathy towards the church. Mm. I think there's a lot of church hurt. There's a lot of church flight, as we talk about sometimes. And, and because of, of some of those things that people have experienced, they become apathetic about the church and rather than bold about the mission of the church. I think disappointment with things that didn't work out the way you thought they would, uh, promises that people made to you that uh, may have been really not grounded in scripture and so you you expected things that to come to happen a certain way or to work out a certain way and i think sometimes we we especially in the church can uh trying to get the best way to say this i think i think sometimes we can uh, it, we, we can over promise we can make we can make it sound as though as soon as you become a christian everything's going to get easy mm-hmm. everything is going to get cleaned up our lives are going to get better you're going to marry the right person you're going to you know have this great family you're you're going to experience all all this happiness all the time and then when life doesn't work out that way we we get discouraged yeah. and that emotional letdown can uh, is going to cut at our boldness yeah, you know, Jeff, you, you talk about what keeps us from being bold or maybe hindrances from boldness. And I'm 40 years old. Um, I've been walking with Christ since I was 
15, 16. I think I got saved when I was even younger than that, but really truly walking with Christ since uh, my teenage years. And a lot of people my age, a lot of people my age that I went to church with uh, back in high school have walked away from the faith. And that has left me with a lot of question marks. Like, why? They experienced the same thing I did. They were following Jesus similarly, like, at least from my perspective. And it's led me a lot to, it's led me to ask the question of, like, what is it that causes people to walk away? Um, and, and one of the things that I hear a lot is they, they think that there's just a false sense of boldness, a false sense of joy that ended up, ends up collapsing. Like, church has let somebody down at some point. You know, maybe it was a moral failing. Maybe it was, you know, a disagreement with the way the church leadership was behaving. Something let them down, and it almost negated any joy or any boldness they had as a young believer. And what do you do with that tension? Because that, that just seems to be all over the place now. And so people kind of squash down, like, this boldness or this joy or this passion for Jesus because there's been hurt. I think sometimes we, we, uh, we attach our boldness to the wrong things. We attach our boldness to God told me this rather than looking at scriptures and what the scriptures tell us. We attach the boldness to our experience of life as opposed to what Jesus has accomplished for us. We attach our boldness to, uh, to expectations. And then when the scoreboard doesn't, doesn't come out on top the way we thought it was going to be, I mean, we, we kind of throw our hands up and we begin to experience and it kind of progresses from discouragement to maybe depression or despair and you know, the, and the the word everyone's throwing out now is deconstruction. That right. that we begin to move in those kind of down that path, and that that sort of derails our faith. And and I would say at, at this stage of my life, I've seen more people derailed by n- inability to cope with the hardness of life mm. than by an intellectual argument or any any anything else that that's kind of derailed them. And I think some of that does speak to some of the church culture we've experienced over the last uh, over the last 30 40 years in 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 our in in kind of the western world and this success mentality this prosperity mentality this uh, victory mentality that Christ is going to make me victorious yeah. and that's absolutely true in one sense but not always in the the kind of I'm going to live the american dream sense yeah. Uh, those things weren't promised us in the scripture and if you attach those and become bold about those I'm going to I'm going to claim uh, this future from my life and it doesn't happen, then you're kind of left, you know, standing on sand and, and everything crumbles. And rather than standing on the rock of what God has actually promised us and what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that this will stand and withstand the storms of life. And that's what we have to focus on. That's good. So those are some of the wrong things we can attach our boldness to. Where should we attach our boldness? What makes us bold? Where does boldness truly come from? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about the way we're talking. I was like, man, this doesn't feel very glad right now. You know, we're supposed to be talking about being glad, and uh, right now it's like, man, we, we went into the other side. But I think that I think that's important yes. to just acknowledge that for a lot of people, they wrestle with this this question, and they they say, well, I want to be authentic. I don't want to put on this false gladness. I don't want to I don't want to put on this like fake happiness, like like you know those people over there do in the church or. I, and, and maybe you're listening, and you're not you're not a believer in Christ, and you're seeking, and you have questions or doubts, or, and and you're you're unsure. And I want to encourage you that that's not what we're talking about, and that's not what the scriptures ultimately point us to. The disciples were very honest about life, and they experienced incredible hardship, and they talk about the things that they went through. And as we walk through the Book of Acts, and you read through it, you see over and over the difficulties of the life that 
many of these uh, these men and women live. But Jeff, it, it makes me think back to the beginning of this conversation. You mentioned Peter and his denial of Christ and what that must have felt like for him. It had to be such an emotional letdown and disappointment because he was a bold guy. He was walking with Jesus. And yet in that moment, he failed, you know, like he did what he said he would never do. And then what was the answer to that? Jesus met him on the shores after his resurrection, had a meal with him and reinstated him. And I just, I started to think about what kind of gladness must have welled up inside of Peter's heart when he realized in his darkest moment, Jesus still loved him, still called him, still pursued him to go and be bold for the church. And there, there was this experience of Christ and a relationship with him and something that, that hit Peter at the core, and, it, and it, it shaped him, it changed him. And then when the Spirit descended, you just see this kind of explosion of boldness in Peter's life mm. that is undeniable when you read through it. And it's undeniable when you see the, the transition that takes place as he becomes the leader of the early disciples and the leader of the early church, and, and, and really that moves its way through the book of Acts. Uh, it, it's interesting to me when you think about the, the experience you brought up, going back to an actual person thinking through this. I was thinking, what is it? What does it look like for us? And you remember when you're in elementary school and you had to do a book report, and a teacher assigned a book, and you couldn't have cared less about the book, but you knew you had to at least skim it. And then you had to come up with a thesis statement and an intro and three body paragraphs and a conclusion paragraph and write a paper on it. And you turned it in thinking, well, I hope it's not bad. I hope I just hope I get get a decent grade. Yes. And that's all. But that's all you really cared about. I think if you approach things of faith in that way. Uh, it's not going to produce a glad heart. There's not going to be life to it. But then think about the difference when you when you sit down and read Old Yeller or where the red fern grows, and you know, and, and you're reading the story and you get sucked into the story, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like I'm not crying, you're crying, you know, and and you're, you got a lump in your throat, and you're just like, oh, the boy and the dog and the, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like all the stuff, and 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 all of a sudden you're you're engaged in the story and it, it you have a very different experience of that book than you did the other one and i think it's it's not just that because um, it's not just an emotional thing but it's something that's connecting with you at the core of who you are that engages you as a person i think uh, it, you know when when i looked at this and was thinking about the sermon series we looked at acts 2 uh, it's fascinating to me that when the holy spirit comes and peter gets up and begins to preach uh, it goes to uh, to the end of that sermon, it says, after they heard what Peter had said, and what Peter, Peter did was he just talked to him about Jesus and who he was and what he did and the resurrection and put the, put the truth of the gospel there. And it says that now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Mm. And there's something about that, that phrase that's powerful. And you think of something surgically engaging the organ of the heart. And for the Bible, the heart's the core of who you are. So something penetrated them to the very core. Yeah. And it's out of that place of being convinced and convicted at, at the core of who you are that produces, and it's right out of that, that all around, all around that same verse, it talks about they were glad-hearted. It says that, therefore, my heart was glad. It says they were, uh, you've made known to me the paths of life. You will make, you, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. They're experiencing something. And then a little bit later after that, uh, 2.46 says, and day by day, they, uh, the people were gathering and they had glad and generous hearts. And so that, that experience of being cut to the heart with the gospel produced a glad heart in them. That's what resulted. That was what the reaction they had to 
understanding the truth of the gospel was joy. Yeah, that's right. You know, before we turned the microphones on, we were just riffing on what we were going to talk about today. And uh, I made the comment that it would be really odd to consider a person to be bold or glad that was void of emotion. So I hear you saying, like, it's not just emotion. It's not just tied to, you know, affections and emotion, emotional displays. But we certainly would agree that if somebody is devoid of emotion, then you're probably not characterized as bold or glad. Yeah, I think emotions always come with it. Yeah. It's just, it's emotions are always there. It's just more than that, yeah. too. And, it, you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards talks about in when he was looking at the, the Great Awakening and, and, and the things that happened there, he described all the uh, the things that God was doing. They were experiencing the lives of the church, and there were all kinds of different reactions. Some people reacted very much with emotion. Some didn't react with emotion. Um, some, you know, had these made these bold promises. Others didn't. And later he looked back and said, well, what was real? And it was this idea of the affections of the heart, mm-hmm. where they had they been cut to the heart and their heart had been changed so that they believed and trusted, and that worked itself out. Whatever their personality was, whatever the scenario or circumstances were, that worked itself out over the long haul of their life because they had a place that was deep, deeply rooted. The gospel was deeply rooted in the heart, and they had something to go back to when, when times became dry. They had some place to go back to when things began to feel, to go awry in the circumstances of their life. When, uh, when, when things became difficult, they, they weren't tethered merely to their circumstances, but there's a place deep in their heart that they could retreat to and remember, this is what is true. This is what I can count on. This is the solid rock that I can stand on. And that ultimately is the person of Jesus and what he did for us and the resurrection and also the fact he's coming back. Hmm. He's going to come back. And so all the things that we deal, that, that we deal with are going to come undone. And one day there will be a world that's made new. And so the resurrection, I mean, think about, think about that for just a second. If Jesus really did sacrifice his life for our sins, he really did die, and the disciples saw him come down off a cross. He really did go into a tomb. And then on Sunday morning, as we think about it, as, as we like to say, he really did sit up and walk out victorious over sin and death. If, if, you, if you believe that to be true and, and you don't, gladness doesn't well up in your heart, yeah. uh, man, something's, something's not off. right. Yeah. And, and ultimately for us, I think that's even gives us the answer for what, you know, for, for where we look for, for our own boldness. Yeah. Because if, if our life is eternally sure and, and we know that those circumstances are going to get righted in the end and, and that all things are going to be made new, then whatever it is we're facing now, we can still face with boldness. Mm. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to flinch. Uh, and we will. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna have doubts. We're gonna have struggles. But at, at the end of the day, we've got something to hold on to that we know is going to lead us to a to a stronger place. So, Chris, what's one way that you are uh, practically walking out, cultivating a, a glad heart that leads to boldness in your life? Yeah. So, one of the things that I've been talking with um, some of the guys that I've I've been living out my Christian faith with is this concept of meditation and. Um, you know, meditation can take many, you you might have different thoughts about meditation. You might connect it with Eastern meditation or whatever, but there's definitely a call in scripture to meditate on God's word. We see it all over the place. I love what one pastor said about fostering boldness and gladness in Jesus. If a thing be cold, what do we do? We rub it. 
meditation on God's word rubs our souls with truth in order that our hearts would warm up to Christ. And so I've been practicing meditation more. I've been trying to not just read the word, not just memorize scripture, not just sit in a sermon uh, and, and let that be done, but actually take some of those thoughts, take some of those scriptures and actually just spend more time thinking on them, letting them penetrate my heart, letting them warm my heart in order that it would stir up gladness and affection. And it's as I've been doing that with uh, a group of guys in a, in a small group, we've seen gladness and boldness start to well up. It's actually causing us to live more passionately and with more zeal for Christ. And so that's just one practical thing I've been working on. That's good. What about you, Chase? And for me, I've just been really convicted lately about how busyness and hurry keep me from cultivating gladness in my heart. Uh, those things keep me from things like meditation because throughout my day, in everything I do, at, at work, at home, just driving down the road, I, I'm often so focused on just getting things done, moving from one thing to the next thing. And, and when I live that way, there's there's no room for God in the details of my day. And so uh, I've felt for a long time now that there's a, this missing link between the gladness I feel worshiping God on Sunday mornings, the gladness I feel uh, reading the word and praying in the mornings, and then that gladness often gets lost throughout my day. And I've just come to realize that it's because I'm not allowing room in my heart for um the gladness of God, because I'm so focused on just getting things done. And so for me, it, it's trying to slow down and make room for something like meditation um, to bear its fruit and produce that glad heart in me. That's awesome. Jeff, you've got like 10 years on us, uh, tw- maybe closer to 20 <laughs> years on Chase. Uh, how are you fighting for gladness uh, that leads to boldness in your life right now? I think I just got called old. Yep. You are. You may drop a movie reference Chase doesn't get. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that later. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, yeah, I think for me, in my lifetime, in that long lifetime you referenced, <laughs> the, the fact is... Th- it's the most discouraging time a lot of, in a lot of ways in my lifetime. We're more divided as a country. We're more, uh, there's more just despairing news. There's more frustrating stuff that's out there over the last two years. And for me, that, you know, as I, as I have thought about that, I think one of the things that's producing in me is this desire to just try to stay focused on Christ. You know, I think there, there's emails that you get and articles that are sent and uh, social media stuff that you read. And it's easy for me to get sucked in and waste not just minutes, but hours mm. thinking through these things. And, uh, I, you know, I tend to be a guy that has to get from my ideas down to my emotions. So, you know, it starts there. But I, but I do feel pretty deeply about things and and I process pretty deeply. And, and when I do that, I think I, I've been trying to focus on some of the things in scripture where it says, you know, set your mind on these things. Mm. When it talks about keeping your eyes on the prize. And for me, I'm trying to set my face towards home and remember what, where, what's most real in the world. Uh, and that's Christ. Yeah. And to fix my eyes on him and set my face towards an, a future with Christ and knowing what, what is to come so that my, my days don't get, don't get too distracted and, in all the noise, but that I try to listen in to the one thing and and really focus on Christ. That's so good. Thanks again for listening to Wide Awake. Wide Awake is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If what we talked about today resonated, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend. 
Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at wideawake@redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 10.30 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.